Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Morning on the subject of worship. Malachi, last book in the Old Testament, I want to speak to you on worship. Now, if you're wondering what's going wrong in the service, nothing's going wrong. Uh, We just decided that since I'm speaking on worship today, that we would shift the worship service until after... I share with you a lot of what God's Word says about worship and to prepare us for worship and then uh, for us to get before the Lord. So uh, uh, from the book of Malachi, uh, we'll begin reading in a few moments in verse 6. But let me just tell you that uh, today's message is worthy of worship. That's the title of the message, worthy of worship. You remember last week I shared with you that God loves you. And that's how Malachi starts out talking to the nation of Israel. That's the first thing God said through the prophet. God loves you. And then the second thing he says is, he says, uh, God is worthy of worship. And if you put those two together, you really do have something great. And that is that God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. And he is worthy of worship. Now, uh, Malachi... uh, The book of Malachi was the last prophetic writings of the Old Testament. And Malachi uh, preached and prophesied and wrote some 400 years before the birth of Christ. So that puts the book of Malachi about 24, 2500 years ago for us. And yet, what's amazing is this. Much of what we read in the book of Malachi sounds like the modern day church. It, 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 sounds like, it sounds like us. Uh, and I'm not just talking about us, River of Life. I'm talking about the church in America. Uh, a form of religion, but not much substance. Doesn't run very deep. Uh, a church that believes that God understands if we choose to do it our way instead of His way. That's the common belief in America. A church that believes that it's more important to accommodate the people, to please the people, to keep the people happy and satisfied, that they're more concerned about that than keeping God pleased and happy and satisfied, that we walk pleasing to the Lord. Uh, Basically, the same thing is happening in the church today that happened in the day of Malachi, and that is that people are confused about who God is. People are confused about... uh, the place he should hold in our lives, what he wants, what he expects out of us, and how we really and truly worship him. Uh, You will find many parallels between backslidden Israel and the backslidden church. And, And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because that being true, there's much to learn when we study these Old Testament passages of Scripture. Now, Last week, I shared this with you. The very first thing that God says to the nation of Israel through the prophet Malachi is this. I love you. I've always loved you. I chose you and Jacob, uh, your ancestor. And I love you. They were broken. They were messed up. They were confused. Their theology was terrible. They had just about everything backward. And yet God says, I love you. It is true, friends. God loves 
broken, messed up people. God loves us. But I said this last week, I'll say it again. But God loves us too much to leave us where we are. He wants to change our lives. I love you. That's the first thing he says. The second thing that Malachi says to the nation of Israel, speaking forth the word of God, is God is worthy of worship. He loves you and he is worthy of real, genuine, true Not just going through the motions worship, but real worship, genuine worship. God wants you to worship Him and understand that He is worthy of worship. He should hold the highest place in your life. And so we'll read the text, and I think you'll understand that this text is truly all about worship. Beginning in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest... A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying, The altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering... Why should he show you any favor at all? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's army, and I will not accept your offerings. Now friends, this is all about worship. And it's all about our God being worthy of true, real, genuine, heartfelt worship. Now what we'll do is we'll just break this down and look at this text a little closer. So, the first thing God says through the prophet Malachi to the nation of Israel is this. It's real simple, real simple analogy. A father has his honor and a master has his respect. So God says, where is the honor and the respect that I deserve? Where's my honor? Where's my respect? God was asking a question, where do I fit in the picture? God's the one who established the worship system to begin with and gave the instructions, and now he's asking the nation, where am I in all of this? I'm I'm the one who's supposed to be worshipped. And you're ignoring me. You're messing everything up. Basically, this is a scathing uh, rebuke. Listen to this. He says to the priest, he says, You have shown contempt for my name. Uh, One translation says, You have despised my name. I, I don't know about you, But if I had a prophet of God pointing his finger at me and saying that, I'd be trembling, wouldn't you? You've shown contempt. 
for my name. You despise my name. They were ministering in such a way that the nation of Israel had lost all respect and all honor for the name of the Lord. It was casual. It was commonplace. Nothing special. Not high. Not holy. Not to be revered above anything and everything else. They had brought disrespect to it. And what's amazing is, is that when the prophet of God, who's speaking on behalf of God, says this to the priest, they don't even get it. They miss it. How have we done this? What do you mean we've uh, brought the name of the Lord uh, disrespect? That we've, we've spoken uh, with contempt. How have we done this? They were so far. Now this is the sad thing about this text. These priests were so far away from God and from His standards and from His Word. And I want to say this, friends. The farther you get away from God's Word, the more likely you are to fall into the same trap that they fell into. But they were so far away from the Word of God that they had no idea how they had despised and brought uh, disrespect to the name of the Lord. And, and so, so the Lord just comes out and tells them exactly what they've done. So God tells them, you are saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. Now that's just amazing to me. I can't hardly believe that. How could it be that these priests who are supposed to be leading the nation into worship, keeping God in first place, bowing down before Him and loving Him and worship Him, worshiping Him, how is it that somehow they've said to the people, the Lord's altar deserves no respect. Now, I don't know if they actually said it with their words. I don't know if they said it with their actions. I don't know if they said it in their ministry or their teachings. But somehow, they had conveyed to the nation that the altar of God is no big deal. It's not all that important. It's not all that necessary. And again, this is back to accommodating the people rather than following the standards of God. And I just want to tell you, friends, we won't stop here long, but I can tell you, worship is our first responsibility. It's one of the... uh, When we wrote out what this church stands for, what's most important for River of Life many years ago, the first thing we put down was, is worship is our first responsibility. Worship is our first responsibility. When you lose respect for worshiping God, and when worshiping God becomes mingled with everything else in your life, co-equal, and you lose respect for the altar of God, I want to tell you, the church, the nation, is in sad shape. Do you understand? An altar is where you meet God. All through the Bible, we find altars that were made. Altars that were erected for worshiping God. Um... Uh, uh, An altar is a place, a designated place, where you go to encounter God. Uh, Some of you, I know, I do at my house, some of you have altars in your home. There's nothing wrong with that. We have an altar here at the church that we use. Um, At one time in my life, I don't anymore, but one time in my life, I had an altar in the woods. I had some woods behind my house, and I had a, uh, a, a special stump. That was my altar. I'd go kneel 
that that stump. But I want to tell you, I designated that. I committed that place to the Lord. This is my personal altar, my my place. And, and I want you to know that I would run to that altar at times, I, back of the house, into the woods, and kneel at that stump. An altar is important. But the nation of Israel had come to the place where they didn't value the altar. They didn't respect the altar. They didn't see a need for the altar. And the sad thing about it is, is the nation just didn't get there on their own. They got there because that's what the priest taught them. God forbid. Friends, I don't know how long it's been since you've been to the altar. But I hope it won't be long before you at an altar somewhere. This is a wonderful altar here, but it's not the only altar. Find an altar somewhere where you can meet God and spend some time with Him. Now, so uh, what they did, if you go back, because they didn't even understand how they had disrespected the altar. If you go back into the Levitical teachings uh, in the Old Testament on worship, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, it's spelled out in detail In the book of Leviticus, I just read the book, it's amazing. Repeatedly, God tells them how to worship Him and what to bring with them when they worship. God says that when you come to worship me, you don't come empty-handed. And when you bring uh, a sacrifice, if it's a grain sacrifice, you bring the best grain. If it's flour, you bring choice flour. If it's olive oil, you bring pure olive oil. All this is in uh, the Levitical teachings. If you bring an animal for a sacrifice, it has to be the best you have. It has to be spotless. It has to be without blemish. It can't be diseased. It, it it has to be the very best you have, and you bring that into worship. Uh, Deuteronomy seventeen one says, "Never sacrifice sick or defected cattle, sheep or goats to the Lord your God." Now notice this: for He detests such things. It's detestable. Uh, They were bringing an offering to the Lord, and rather than it being pleasing, it was detestable. Uh, Just for a moment, those of you who are new to the faith, this will help you understand why the New Testament tells us, the New Testament tells us that Jesus was the spotless, pure, holy Lamb of God. If you've never really understood that, it says... With His precious blood, He redeems us. With the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. What's that all about? Jesus was the fulfillment of that whole sacrificial system. And the reason we don't do animal sacrifices today is because the sacrifice, the ultimate, pure, holy sacrifice has already been given. And the Lamb of God has been slain for us. And, and and so that's why there's such an emphasis on the fact that Jesus was sinless. He was spotless. He was pure. He was holy. And it's His precious blood that redeems us. But, remember now, Malachi was ministering some 400 years before Christ. So they still had that sacrificial system that they had to use. But they were they were messing it up. They were messing it up. In fact, they had it just reversed. They were doing just the opposite. 
They were not bringing the best they had. They were bringing the worst they had. They were bringing animals that, that were dying or diseased or defected. They were bringing the unwanted. They were bringing the leftovers. They were bringing that into worship. And guess what? The priest were accepting it. The priests, the spiritual leaders were saying, it's okay. Now, I don't know if these spiritual leaders, and i got to tell you, some of the spiritual leaders I look at in America and listen to some of their messages, it makes me wonder if they've ever even read the Bible. And if they've read it, they can't believe it. So I don't know what was going on with these priests. Had they not read the book of Leviticus? Did they not know what it said? But these people were bringing these defected, weak, sick, animals, animals they didn't want. And the priests were accepting them and saying it's all right. And that's the reason Malachi's pointing his finger more at the priest than he is anybody else. And then he says, did you notice it? He said, why don't you try this with your governors? Why don't you try this with your leaders? Why don't you try offering these kind of animals to those leaders and see how they respond to that? They will not like it. They will not accept it. I hardly ever read this passage of Scripture. I don't think about something that happened to me years ago up in Georgia. I was pastoring. Beth and I were young. Our children were just toddlers running around. We were living from payday to payday. I'm serious. It, it, there was, it, it was tough times in those days. A lot of churches believed in those days that your pastor was a better pastor if you kept him broke and humble all the time. And they did. <laughs> Our children were real small. I mean, we were pinching pennies. And one day I get a call. Well, it's a good call. Sonny Eubanks. My wife's smiling. We love Sonny Eubanks. He's one of the local farmers in the church. And this was in the days where some of the people in the church felt sorry for what everybody in the church was paying the pastor. And so... Uh, Sonny said, Pastor, I got, I got a gift for you. I got something I want to give you. I said, what is it, Sonny? He said, well, he said, you know, I'm a farmer. And he said, I got hogs. And I got a, I got a hog that's ready for slaughter. Now, I'm not making any of this story up now, friends. He said, I got a hog ready for slaughter. And I'm going to give this hog to you. He said, I'm going to take his hog to the processors. And I'm going to tell them to put your name on the ticket. And I'm going to put your phone number down. And they're going to call you. And uh, they're going to find out how you want it uh, cut up, processed, packaged. I got to tell you, friends, I had a smile on my face. I'm glad for that lift on the ban on pork. I know in the Old Testament they didn't eat pork. But in the New Testament it says, eat whatsoever's put before you. And Sonny was about to put something before me <laughs> that I really like. Friends, I, I got to tell you, I love me some bacon. Amen. Now, I agree that some of us who love bacon may get to heaven before the rest of you. But I still love bacon. I love ham. I love sausage. I love pork chops. This is going to blow you away. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you're not old enough. But I love hoghead cheese. Come on. Come on, some of you old folks. I love hoghead cheese. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be good. Man, the ship has come in. We're going to eat good for a while. Next day, my phone rings. I am not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. 
I'm not making this up to fit an illustration. Next day, my phone rings. The guy says, uh, is this Mr. Jones? Yes, it is. Mr. Eubanks brought a hog by to slaughter for you. I said, yes, he called me yesterday and told me. He said, Mr. Jones, we're going to process this hog for you, but before we do, I need, to, I need to talk to you about something. He said, we're not sure how healthy this animal was. I said, really? He said, yeah, we, we think the animal was diseased a little bit. I, I, I said, uh, how so? And he said, well, we got some places in the animal when we, when we dressed him and we don't particularly uh, like, and we found one tumor in the animal about six to eight inches in diameter. We don't, we don't know if it was cancerous or not. Uh, we'd have to send it off to find out. But he said, Mr. Jones, we, we have cut that tumor out and we've cut all the disease parts out. And I just want to kind of give you a heads up on that because I didn't want to be a bad reflection on us. And, and so now that I've got that out of the way, how do you want me to package this animal? <laughs> I'm about to faint. This, this, this is terrible. This is horrible. Uh, and he said, <laughs> I got real quiet. He said, Mr. Jones, are you there? I said, yes. He said, what do you want me to do? I said, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know. What would you do? Would you want that animal? Would you want to eat any of that animal? No, me either. And I, I said, sir, sir, I just don't know. I said, I, I got to think about this. And got real quiet. And then I heard him laughing. He said, I won't apologize to you. He said, Mr. Eubanks made me promise I would call you. <laughs> he said, there's nothing at all wrong with this animal. He said, this animal's in perfect shape. He said, we just wanted to have fun with it. I said, well, you did. <laughs> Man, you're talking about getting somebody and getting them good. Now, you may be wondering, how does this apply to us? They, this is a sacrificial system of animals. And we, and we get that thing about animals. You know, no governor, God doesn't want, nobody wants a diseased animal. But how does that apply to us? Well, we don't sacrifice animals anymore, but the principle is still there, isn't it? The principle is the same. When you come to worship God, you bring Him your best. You, you don't bring your leftovers. You don't bring your unwanted. You, you, don't, you, you don't just go through the motions. Andre, you don't just give because you have to. I'm still worried about that. You don't give because you have to. You give God your best. You give Him everything you have. You give Him all of your heart. When you come to worship, you give Him all of your heart. It's not just something you do. It's not just an exercise you go through. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but our God is an all-of-your-heart God. See if you can keep up with me in the sound booth. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with... Say it. Psalm 119, 2 says, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with... See, it's there in the Word. Joel 2.12 
says, Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with it's all through the Bible. Uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's an all your heart God. I heard somebody say years ago, He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. If you're not worshiping with all your heart, listen to me, very important. We need to hear this. I don't want some prophet of God pointing his finger in my face as a spiritual leader of this church and telling me I'm messing up. If you're not worshiping God with all of your heart, you're not worshiping God. He won't just be a part of your life. And then he says, verse 9, if you have your Bibles open, he says, go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. Now, friends, we, we get rid of some of these scriptures because we don't like them. They make us uncomfortable. But actually, the prophet of God is mocking them a little bit. Go ahead and beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, in other words, when you worship God the way you want to worship Him rather than the way He wants you to worship Him, when you bring that kind of offering, why should He show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of heaven's armies. God was saying, if you ignore me and my teachings and just give me the leftovers of your life, why should I show you any favor? I want to give you an illustration. A few years back in this church, uh, a young couple joined our church. And I got to tell you, I just fell in love with them the moment I met them. Josh and Megan. Do you all remember Josh and Megan? Oh, I fell in love with them. Our whole staff fell in love with them. And uh, uh, they, they were just so willing to do whatever we asked them to do. They, they seemed to be so full of love for the Lord. And, uh, and I, I just can't exaggerate. I miss them greatly. They're somewhere else now. I think in Mississippi, right? Grandmama's sitting right here. Uh, they're, uh, but anyway, we've got to pray them back home. And, <laughs> And we, we just fell in love with this young couple. And then I found out they were living together and they were not married. And I prayed about that. And basically the word I got from the Lord was not now. Not now. How many of you know that when God starts moving in somebody's life, He starts where they are? Where they are, and then when God gets in, He leads them step by step. Sometimes we want to be hard and legalistic and put people in their place and say that's wrong. And most of the time the person who's saying that's wrong has a whole lot more stuff in their own life. They need to get right. It's called hypocrisy. And nobody likes that except the devil. I found out they were living together. and You know, that's kind of the word I got from the Lord. Not now. Not now. And then one day, they... uh, brought their baby to the altar to get prayed for. I will never forget right here. Uh, Axel, is that it? Axel, I thought I had the name right. <clears throat> they bring Axel. Axel had a, a real serious uh, skin deformity on the face. And they wanted Axel prayed for and to be anointed with oil. 
And so we grabbed the anointing oil, and I don't remember how many of us gathered around, and we anointed the baby with oil, and we prayed over this baby. And while we were praying for little Axel, while we were praying, God spoke to my heart. And this is what the Lord said to me. This is what God said to me. They want me to do something for them, and I want them to do something for me. I want them to get married and live for me. I mean, it, it was a clear word. Right then, we finished praying. I grabbed Josh by the arm. I drug him over here where it would just be the two of us. And I said, Josh, i got to talk to you. And I don't remember the exact words, but it went something like this. God has special blessings in store for those who obey Him. For those who obey Him. And you're asking God to do something for you. You're asking God to touch your baby. And God hears you, but He's asking you to do something for Him. It's time for you all to get married. And the Lord said, I want you to get married and I want you to live for me. I said, I told him. Josh didn't get mad. He didn't get his feelings hurt. He didn't act like a child. He received it. And I got to tell you, when... When God's listening to you and you're listening to God, good things begin to happen. Well, anyway, it's a long story, but they got married and God touched the baby. Can I, I want to show you a picture of the baby when we prayed for the baby. Here we go. Can you see that? Now, by the way, that's Axel's older sister. And to this day, I do not know what her real name is, because the first time I ever asked her what her name was, she told me her name was Rockstar. <laughs> so, until the day they left this church, I called her Rockstar. Next time I see her, I'm going to call her Rockstar. And, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I'd like for you to see Axel and Rockstar today. I want you to understand, okay, you can take it down, but, but isn't, that, isn't that just gorgeous? They did what God wanted them to do. He did what God wanted him to do. You say, oh, pastor, this sounds like you've got to earn your blessings. Friends, I, I want you to listen to me. We've been fed a bill of goods in this nation, and the church has gotten off course. There are those who would have us to believe that the blessings of God will fall upon you and your family and you don't have to do a thing. Now, I want you to hear me now because we we're going we're to get real technical right here just for a second. There is a part of that that's true. Sometimes God will bless you because He's a merciful, loving God. You didn't deserve it, but He gave it to you anyway. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. A wicked farmer and a godly farmer side by side, they both get rain and it comes from God. That's what the Scripture says. But listen to me. Some of the blessings of God fall upon those that He loves, His beloved, obedient, worshiping children who honor Him and respect Him and not only worship Him, but walk out His truth. And I, I'm just saying to you today, friends, that if you want that special favor of the Lord on you, you might ought to ask God what He wants out of you. Amen. What do you want me to do, God? 
Now listen, you say, oh, pastor, I don't believe that. And because we've been, we've been taught this corrupt grace so long. But listen, the words of Jesus, you can look it up later, Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, because somebody was talking about his mother being blessed, and he said, even more blessed. Do you know what more blessed means? That means more blessings, right? Even more blessed are those who hear the Word of God and put it into practice in their lives. I want to tell you, friends, more blessings come to those who love God, worship Him, take His Word, put it into practice in their lives. And and then that brings us to our last verse, and we're almost done here. Verse 10. How I wish, this is God speaking now, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's army, and I will not accept your offerings. It had, it had gotten so bad and so corrupt that God, who established the whole system of worship, the whole sacrificial system, the God who had established it all said, Oh, how I wish somebody would just have the nerve to stand up and say, let's just stop this foolishness. Let's just close the doors and not do this anymore. God says, I'd rather you shut the doors than to be half-hearted. Now, friends, lift that out of Malachi and put it down in the modern-day church. This is the way you would say it. Better not to have a church than a church that's playing games. Better not to have a church than to have a church that's more concerned about social issues than holy issues. Better not to have a church if God's not going to be number one in that church. And so, friends, I don't ever want God to say concerning river of life. I wish somebody just closed the doors. I, I want God to say, I wish somebody could open the doors wider so that more people could come in. And worship. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to go back into worship. And just from what we've talked about today, worship Him with all your heart. Worship Him. Tell Him you love Him. This is, this is, this is not a performance, is it? Where, where you, you're the spectator and these are the performers. No. The, we have, we're all the worshipers and there's an audience of one and we are worshiping before Him and giving Him our praise and giving Him our worship. Very quickly, I had a couple dozen of these, but I want to give you some quotes. These are some of my favorite quotes and I'll go through these quickly. The first one is, God wants worshipers before He wants workers. A.W. Tozer. yes. Yes, you need to go to work. But before you go to work, you need to become a worshiper. Worship Him with all your heart. I like this one. Worship is giving God the best that He has given you. I think that's Oswald Chambers. Yeah, that's what it is. It's giving God the best of what He's given you. Everything you have comes from Him. And then I love this one. Anything you do that brings pleasure to God is an act of worship. You see, friends, worship is praising God. Worship is what we're about to do here in the next few moments. But when you walk out of here today and you live according to the standards of God, that's worship. When, when you say no to sin, that's worship. When, when you decide to turn the other cheek, that's worship. 
When you say, no, I can't do that, because God wouldn't be pleased with it, that's worship. And, and, and anything we do that brings pleasure to God is an act of worship. And then, I love this one. Uh, John Piper said, We belittle God when we go through the outward motions of worship and take no pleasure in His presence. This is all about Him. This is all about Him. And I understand, I really do, we are diverse. Sometimes you like songs, I don't care about them, and I like songs, and you don't care about them. And sometimes Priscilla sings songs, and we all love them, and sometimes they sing songs out here, and you may not like it, and that's acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not all one. But let me tell you what we all can agree on, the one thing we can agree on, and that is that He is God. And you can worship God with a song you don't like. You can. It's not about whether you like it or not. It's about offering thanksgiving to the Lord. A.W. Tozer said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. If he's true, if you don't like worship, you need to get that in order. Or you may live to your 150 or something like that. I don't know. God doesn't want you in heaven if you don't want worship. Oh, that secret of longevity. Worship is my response to God's love. I love you. I've always loved you. I am worthy of worship. That's where it begins. We're going to look at some stuff in Malachi that they've done wrong. But the first thing's first. I love you. I'm worthy of worship. And then the next one says, When I worship, I would rather my heart be without words then my words be without heart. Do it with your heart. And then here's a great one. I believe this. Turn your worry into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessings. Just worship God. Francis Chan said, Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? We can't exaggerate who He is, how wonderful He is. How magnificent he is. And I saved the best to last. This is my favorite slide. All right, pull it up. Raise your hand if God has been good to you. Come on. Wow. Wow. I got to tell you, friends, you just worship God. That's worship. Would you stand up as we go back into worship right now? And while Priscilla's coming... I'm not going to give an altar call or an invitation, but here's what we're... Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.